0: This podcast is brought to you by Blue Guardian, the only prop firm that protects their traders and is for entertainment
1: purposes only. Because with the funded accounts, I have a 500K funded account. So I'm I'm trading more than $11,000 swings on a day now. It probably takes me on top of my trading another 30 to 45 minutes a day, but it is worth it. And for me, a guy that like, I know myself, if my win rate drops too low, I start to go off tilt. That's when I've always made my mistakes. When I don't do my daily report cards, when I don't do this tracking of ideas every day, trades that I take, documenting entry, thoughts, exit, all of that, what could I have done better? If I do that, I don't go off tilt. The win rate stays pretty high. And when we get into trades like that, people will tell me maybe I'm wrong. I pull them. I know with the strategy that I'm trading, I want the best trades for me move into profit right away for these A2s and they move to 1R within an hour. I've made so many mistakes when I first started trading, bro. Like I lost so much money. I lost over 40 grand in the first two years you know what like majority of that was from what's the difference between a pro trader and an amateur trader and you can give me reasons and, and things that are definitely different but to me it starts with last time I traded a Forex pair was November I think it was seventh or eighth something like that I have it in my tracker haven't yeah. traded a Forex pair since I like the volatility of episode 233 all right folks we got Austin Silver in the house today now Austin is
0: a 500k funded trader trades his personal accounts got a ton of wisdom that he's dropping in the show today we cover so much- things uh, you're going to be in for a massive treat you're probably going to want to have this one on repeat Uh, i'm also featuring on austin's show very soon so do sign up to his channels and stuff so you make sure you catch that when it drops sometime in august this year all right folks other things going on we've got a trendline masterclass video being dropped this week on the channel from richard nasser now this is epic there's eight steps you can follow to draw perfect trendlines every time he puts it all together as a strategy and there's two different Types of trend lines that he teaches you. So dive over there onto the trading Out youtube channel if you're here already hit subscribe like and make sure you click on that notifications bell so you don't miss these as they come up other things on the channel we've got live streams we've got three we're down to three now by the looks of i think one's dropped out uh, live streamers doing the blue guardian 100k challenge now there are review videos dropping at the end of the week so you can see how these progress if you miss the live streams or dive in and catch these trades with them now we've got recaps happening at the end of the week so if you miss the live streams don't worry you can dive in and see how these guys are progressing on these blue guardian 100k challenges now do remember you can get a link down below and a 10 off coupon trading nut for blue guardian as well and other things going on here we are building out in my robot builders club and robot lab live ethan garland strategy in fact we've pretty much finished it we're just in the refinement process and stages at the moment uh, if you're looking to automate anything then you know where to go there's links under the video here or in the podcast description all right folks enough for me let's hear from my sponsor blue guardian and then get on with the show Our sponsor, Blue Guardian, is the only prop firm that gives their traders a built-in tool to protect them from hitting their max daily loss and over-trading. It's super simple to use, just set the Guardian Protector each day from your dashboard. Did you also know their evaluations are 40 and 80 days long, giving you plenty of time to hit their low 8 and 4% targets? Check out the link and coupon in the description to get 10% off next Blue Guardian evaluation. All right, folks, here we are on Trading Up. We've got Austin Silver in the house. Now, I've been hearing about this guy for a long time, and I'm so glad that we managed to get you
1: in and on the show here, all the way from Tampa, Florida, I believe. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you, Cam. It's good to be with you, bro. I've heard many good things about your show. I actually was spending some time today scrolling back through some of your posts, checking out who you've had on before. It's uh, a wide variety of guests on your show, so I'm, I'm grateful to be here.
0: Yeah, looking and I know you've got the similar kind of thing. And um hopefully we're gonna sort of jump on and do, you know, multi-shows and all that sort of stuff. So, but today is all about you and your story. And I think a lot of my audience probably don't know it, um, even though I know you've told it many times on your own platforms. So to start off with, how on earth did you get into trading and how did that journey go um up until now? And I'll dive in deep in, in some of these uh aspects.
1: Sure. Uh the short ish story is that I was working as a financial representative for a big investment and life insurance company and studying for my series seven, which is a test you have to take here in the States if you want to sell stocks and mutual funds and stuff. Studying for that test, I figured out what day trading was. It was in the textbook. It was in the study material. They talked about it. And then I just started to do my own research and I spiraled down a rabbit hole that led to binary options trading at one point. And that was the first little tiptoe into online trading and making money. And that was like nine years ago today-ish. Because I remember we were on vacation. It was with my parents. And me and my dad, it was about the end of this month. Me and my dad were sitting there. I was like, dad, check this out. Like, what do you think of this? And that was literally the first thing. And it's I only know that date like not just because of the trip that we were on, but I had a YouTube video. Cause at the time I was making YouTube videos, trying to sell life insurance and just financial education, YouTube videos, like build my personal brand, Gary V style. Yeah, right. Yeah, so yeah, I kind of yeah. had that entrepreneurship thing juggling while I was like getting into like this online money-making thing. And then it ended up spiraling into like, you know, all the little details of like, I spent some time with IML realized they weren't teaching trading, left them. I did All the same research that I'm sure you and many other people listening to this have done. I read the trading books everybody talks about. I watched the same YouTube videos everybody said to watch. And I really just kind of fell in love with the idea of not just making money, but trying to understand this puzzle that is markets, all these interconnected pieces, all this data, all these different strategies. I'm a numbers guy. I like studying and I like doing uh, research, like in terms of data. So it really just fit a lot of my personality strengths. And it also checked the box of like everything I wanted in a career, time, freedom, unlimited income potential, no one telling me when to work and what to do. So it just, it jived. And then as like, you know, I've heard you say with your other guests, you catch the bug and then you just can't stop. You know what I mean? You can't pull me away from it now at this point. So that's basically how I got into it. And, and so the, in terms of like the game
0: changer for you, where things started to shift, you know, you said you made some money in binary options. I think you're one of the sort
1: of few people that didn't manage. No, to no, do no, it didn't. I I oh, hope I make... did. I didn't No, it did not make money. That was just the first okay. like money that we put in did not make any money with binary options. Any money I made gave it right back. Yeah, just like okay. my sports gambling. You yeah. Know, okay. my, my wife jokes with me all the time. Cause she, like, I, 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 you know, I just like to gamble and do those things and i think a lot of traders try to be like no i'm not a gambler i mean like i definitely like to gamble i will play blackjack for five hours i will gamble on sports whatever and it's funny because i suck at betting when right. it comes to sports compared to trading because <laughs> yeah. i always as as like with binary options as i made money i just got bigger in my bets and then that just leads to wiping you out so same thing with sports betting that's what ends up happening with me
0: yeah so it's yeah. funny um what i'm interested to find out is so when did yeah. things start to get better for you like I and mean, what were the sort of key things, changes that you made and what you were doing. You know, it sounds like you've gone through the normal kind of traditional, like just trying to learn everything and and see what mm. so see how works. What what did start to work for you?
1: I would say two things. One, I stopped trying to trade with like a hundred dollar, five hundred dollar accounts. I was just blowing those out of the water because I was using these brokerages these offshore brokerages with jacked up leverage like very high like one to one thousand leverage crazy so i was blowing myself out so i figured out what i was doing wrong there and i stopped doing that i realized i needed to trade appropriately for my account size and that was from again like reading like i remember mike Bellafiore's books one good trade in the playbook you know of course trading in the zone uh, I really recommend like Dr. Steenbarger's books, great books. Tom Basso has a couple of great books that have helped me a lot. So I started to read these other books and it really was Mike Bellafiori's book, One Good Trade, that got me understanding that I needed to be systematic. I needed to have rules and checklists. There needed to be like some type of process because like I say to you, I like data, but at the time I was a new trader. I didn't know what data I needed. I had no idea what is a trading system, what's an entry signal, what's a stop. Like I was still very new, you know? So once I read that book, I think that was a big turning point because I was like, all right, let's find this one system. And at the time I was a part of a group of people who were all over the world. There were people in Canada in this group chat and they were all sharing different ideas. And two people shared this same set of videos. No one's name was on it. They were literally like Google drive files. The fact that two people shared it, I watched it, and it was this guy talking just about like market structure. I don't know who it was. I've never gotten the name of it because oh, right. I didn't have an intro. It was just random YouTube videos. But the yeah. fact that two people sent it made me feel like I should check it out. Like, why are two people in this small group of thirty people sending the same thing? So I started to look at that, and that was where I started to really understand there are patterns, and if we just find a pattern using some indicators, we can back test that. And I think it was Mike Bellifiori. That kind of learning I was doing there, plus that set of videos that I watched that made me realize, all right, there's probably, and this is is true, like you've said it in your show, I've heard, there's a lot of ways to make money. There's a lot of different trading strategies. So I realized that. Then I was like, okay, I need to just find one that works for me. So I started to use the indicators that I liked to use already to identify Like I would sit there at the end of the day, where was the money today? What would be an entry pattern? What would be a signal? And that thought process led to my first trading strategy, which we back-tested and it's now called the A1. It has a name because it's a signal. It's a confirmation of entry. There's a couple of parameters that have to be met. There's a set stop loss. We look for a certain risk reward based on what the back-testing tells us it will do. So like that was my first turning point was like seeing that it had to be systematic and then going and finding the system to build. Because I was never able to take anyone else's course And I bought a lot of them. Some of the people you've had on your show, I was never able to take their course and actually use it to make money. It was fine. Like it's regurgitated information just in their own words. It's fine. But it was never like tactical strategy of like, this is the signal. This is the backtesting. Here's the math. No one has that really. So that was what I went out to search for. And that's what I built. And now that's spiraled to today where there's four of them. We have four strategies that we've backtested that have rules and stuff. And so do you think like, it's interesting you say that around like,
0: the other people's courses and stuff. Do you think it was because you didn't have ownership of that, i.e. it wasn't your development that you didn't sort of go back and, you know, I'm going to back
1: test this for two years and, and see if see if it actually worked. Was that part of it? 100%. Or, uh, well, probably yeah. 90% of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, because I think yeah. you have to, I was literally saying this to our Chat today. We have the mentorship group that we work with every day, and these people pay to work with us very closely. And I was saying to them about beliefs. And I said, What's the difference between a pro trader and an amateur trader? And you can give me reasons and, and things that are definitely different. But to me, it starts with belief. There is no certificate to be a full time trader, to run and make money and call this your full time profession. There's no, you can go get designations and go do all that, but there's no one coming and be like, Hello, this is full time trader, you know, yeah. unless you, of course, work for a prop firm. And even then, I think it still starts with belief. Do you believe in the way that you see markets and in your strategy? And I can't deploy that level of belief that I think you need in something that I didn't build for myself. And I think that's just true for me. I now see there are people. And I think if I would have had the right mentorship, I could be like this because I am coachable. I think now we've had people plug into our system. They trade not identically to me, but they trade the systems we teach. And I think that shows me that I could have potentially plugged into someone else's system. I just didn't find the right mentor. I wasn't able to get that. And a lot of the mentors that helped me were guys that were trading different markets. There's a guy like Sanglucci. He's an options guy. He and I have had a relationship for almost as long as I've been in trading. There's another guy, Jake uh, Wujastic. He worked uh, for a, a charting company and he and I developed a relationship when I was working at the firm in New York. And like... Just some of these people who don't trade like they options, one guy stocks, the other guy. I was still only Forex, but those guys helped me a lot. But they weren't the kind of mentors that were going to give that tactical information that I was really needing as far as like, how do I trade and make money? I get these are chart patterns, I get these are indicators, I get all that. But like, how do I actually use that information to repeatably make money on a consistent basis as much as we can? Yeah. So, so it's interesting that, that you actually used indicators
0: as your sort of like one of your core tools, which is, I know yeah. a lot of people out there, you know, they just
1: don't despise
0: them or they they won't use them
1: whatsoever. And a lot of smart money but what guys- is that? sorry to cut you off, Cam, but what is that? You can despise it. You can think it doesn't work. What is that? That's a belief. What did I just say? This all comes down to beliefs. If yeah. I believe they work and they make yeah. money for me and I'm getting payouts and I'm taking withdrawals, do they work? I mean, for me, yeah. But for you, if you believe they don't, I'm gonna guess they don't work for you and they're just gonna lead you wrong. And every time you get something wrong, you're gonna point at them because that's your yeah. belief, you know. Yeah. So yeah. that's where it comes. Sorry to cut yeah. you off, but that was just yeah, no, so it's
0: interesting. Out. I mean, I think it's interesting that you you know you have gone down that sort of indicator. Route. And I mean, if you had to sort of break your, your system down into like two parts of indicator versus price action, I mean, what's the percentage on weighting that
1: you give on both? Good question. That's a great question. It's indicators to set up the trade indicators give you an idea of what is trend doing the first thing you have to understand is are you trading with trend are you trading continuation are you trading reversal everyone is doing one of those two things so that's what we're looking at here if you're trading in a range maybe you're trading a reversal from the top or a bottom of a range maybe you're trading a break and a retest of a range and you're trading continuation whatever you're doing you have to i think identify that first so if i know that then the indicators I'm then using them to determine, is it a strong probability of continuation? Or are we at a point where that continuation might be changing, whether it's into CHOP or reversal of movement? So the indicators that I use specifically, one is called a TDI. It's a trader's dynamic Mm -hmm. index. It's an RSI with a moving average applied to it. So what it's doing is it's gathering information from volume, like relative strength is gathering information from the volume. And it's using that information to create this moving average that we call market sentiment. The market sentiment tells me basically are buyers or sellers in control. So that's the TDI. And there, it's a very common indicator. You can find it. I've stripped away a couple of pieces of it that I just, I don't like that much of it. You know what I mean? I just wanted the yeah. core of it. So that's on my the bottom of my charts for people that see my social media stuff. Like that's the bottom of my charts. And then on the EMAs, I'm just using an eight and a 21 EMA and that's it. Just those two EMAs. And what I'm looking to do because I like to trade in trend, is I'm looking to find strong sentiment on that TDI, either buyers or sellers, not indecision. And with strong sentiment, I want to confirm that trend. So let's say it's bullish. I want to trade when the eight is above the 21. I'm looking for longs. And what's really worked well is if I can get the eight above the 21 and I can get strong bullish sentiment on pullbacks to the 21, we have an entry signal called the A2. This is the newest signal like in the last two years. And that's been working really well for a lot of the guys in our group. For myself, that's really all I trade is a pullback strategy Continuation of trend. So it's working, especially as like to add to this, is just on volatile assets like Bitcoin, SPX, things that trend and they give a little volatility. The pullbacks, when you can catch a strong trend, some of these moves, like on Friday, I missed a trade. I mean, of course, anyone can say this, so it probably means nothing to the audience, but to me, it is impactful. 10R on a trade on Friday, that's the kind of trade that I can't be missing. So in my Mm. daily, you know, weekly report card, I knocked myself for that, for missing that trade, because these are the kind of continuation plays that I know I want to be involved in, because they're for my trade. This is what I built my business around. There's yeah. a lot of ways to make money, like I said, but that continuation type of a play, break, retest, pull back on the 21, that's the play that I really looked for.
0: All right, folks, I'm here at Black Bull Markets headquarters in Auckland, New Zealand. You can see this amazing view behind me of Auckland Harbour. Now, talking about views, if you do wanna get free TradingView Pro, then all you need to do is trade one lot a month at Black Bull Markets, and they're gonna give you a free TradingView Pro. So folks, to find out more, click the link in the description below or the card above. And so, when you were going around and backtesting this strategy, right? So this yeah. was, yeah, you know, we're trying to think way back, you know, a few years ago. How did mm-hmm. you, how did you sort of, I suppose, make it mechanical enough so that you didn't get tripped up with, you know, you've got the indicators which are going to be pretty, pretty solid, right? But then you've sure. got the variations of what price action does around those indicators, and whether or not this is how you're going to see it in real time. How did you yep. make sure you didn't get yourself tripped up and go, okay, well, in this case, I would, I would uh, I'm not gonna take that trade because of XYZ. I'll add that rule in. Next thing you got you got like 15 filters and you got like three entry criteria, and it's like, hang on a sec, I'm not taking any trades now. How did you sort of navigate your backtesting?
1: That's a great question. Um, I think because the A2 specifically, this more recent one that I'm trading the most right now, because it's the fourth strategy that we've done this for in the last three and a half, four years. I feel like I'm proficient at understanding like what do we need to be comfortable to then say we're going to trade this live. But it always starts with just generating ideas, chart markups. Here's a repeatable pattern. Okay. We see repeatable pattern. Should we add something to it? Should we take something away? That's something we can always tweak. Like right now we could sit down and add something to the A2 and it could become more profitable. So I think that's a door that's always open. But for me, it's like getting to the point where it's not over crowding my chart. It's not putting too much stress on my brain where I'm not going to be, you know, paralysis by analysis, like you kind of said, or maybe it's taking me too long and then I'm missing the price I need. I don't want to have too much, but I need to have some parameters to call this a strategy. So it's about finding that balance for sure. And I think that that takes backtesting. We started using volume with this. No one uses volume with this right now. So it's constantly changing because you find, eh, this isn't necessary. Pull this away. But to your question about like, how do I have the discretion, like you mentioned, like to avoid this one and be in this one? I think what's helped me a lot with that, and I think a lot of traders try to do this well, and it's like a a very complicated topic. Some of the videos on your page, I saw people just, this is how I do support and resistance. There's no consistency to it, but the way I do it, I have six, really eight-ish key levels. I can name them if you'd like. These key levels are where I look for these trades. We find trades, like today, there was a great lesson with this, where the trade presented itself and presented in A2, but it presented off of no structure, no level. It presented off maybe a level that somebody trading this other strategy might see from a different day weeks ago, but it's not one of the key levels that we've built into this testing. So I think it's th- like that part of the back testing to kind of keep you honest is like finding the balance there and having experience in yeah. doing this multiple times, but then also deploying it in the live market. Once you start trading it, you're going to know pretty quickly if it's working or not. For me, like I don't trade well when I have a low win rate. So if I start losing a lot of trades, I immediately have pulled away from anything in the strategy. We'll go back to demo. We'll pull back and try something different. Once we start winning more trades than we're losing, now I'm feeling better about this strategy. Now we can start to tweak in a different direction. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and, and it just like yeah, trying to get an exit for this. So you talked about a 10-hour trade. Like, what, How did you determine the exit? Because the exit is sometimes even harder than the entry. Yes, it's crazy because I
1: mean, what's, what, what is like for me right now, if you look at my trading all year this year, I have a really high win rate, Um, but I think part of that is because I've stopped using take profits now that doesn't affect the win rate, but what I'm doing now is locking my stop loss. Once we go a certain distance for this A2 strategy, I'm just looking for one-to-one because it's in the back testing. it's a 60-something percent win rate on most assets. So one-to-one is profitable at 60%. So I'm looking for one-to-one. And at that one-to-one, I'm taking profit. I'm going to bump the stop up to entry. I'm not going to be able to lose any money on this position. Then it's just a question of, taking the take profit away or am I going to set it somewhere? And then how much am I leaving on half of the position, a quarter of the position, a 10th of the position. And then I'm going to let this trade run. For example, last week, I took a Bitcoin short on Wednesday. I closed it on Friday, but I was most out of most of the money was made on that trade in Wednesday's trading session. You know what I'm saying? So that's my preferred strategy where then I am going to let the market tell me when to get out. If that's why I mentioned earlier, it works well on these volatile assets. If Bitcoin wants to move 10% in a day, cool, my one-tenth of my original position in could still be a big chunk of change depending on how much money I'm trading and if we get that 10% Bitcoin day. So I think like my evolution of trading, I used to have take profits all the time. Now it's kind of like, like I said, it's no take profit unless I have to leave the desk. Like today, I had to take profit at 1R and I closed it right before the 1R was hit because I had to leave the desk. But other than that, no take profit and I'm managing stop loss. I'm adjusting risk. And I'm taking profit, of course, as well. In, in and other than that example you just mentioned, would there be any
0: other time you would just take the whole profit at 1R? Like news. For example, if you saw, oh, okay, if news was coming up, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. like
1: like if we're trading, let's like say we have, it's Wednesday and like today is a Wednesday, but there was no FOMC today. Some FOMC is on Wednesday, 2 o'clock for Eastern time. I know you're, you're already into Thursday, you're time traveling Australian yeah. people over yeah. there. So for me though, if I'm trading in New York session on Wednesday and there's news at 2 o'clock on FOMC, I'm probably going to look to be out of that trade by one o'clock. I don't want to be anywhere near that two o'clock freaking out. So if I'm at one R around that time, if I'm still in the trade and I haven't gotten out of it, I'm done. I'm good. And that's even a situation where on news days, because I trade SPX, I will get caught. Sometimes it'll move up 0.7 R, come back to 0.3, 0.8 point. And when we get into trades like that, I mean, people will tell me maybe I'm wrong. I pull them. I won't. I I know with the strategy that I'm trading. I want the best trades for me. Move into profit right away for these A2s, and they move to one R within an hour. If I'm still in this thing in an hour, something's wrong, and I only really know that not based on feel. I want everyone listening to understand. Like I'm not just saying that based on looking at charts some days of the week. I'm not looking at, that's based on data from tracking all of my trades. That's not based on anything else. So if I know it based on data, I'm going to try to rely on that as much as possible. But of course, like you said, Cam, there are emotional days where maybe you're under trading a certain week or you're over trading a certain week. And this is where, you know, systems are systems and we're so emotional beings where we get in our own way a lot of the time, you know? And so so if you're floating in like, you know, a
0: drawdown for, on one Mm -hmm. trade for, let's say, Mm -hmm. let's say 30 minutes, Mm-hmm. At that point, are you thinking, okay, this trade's not really working out? I'm gonna, I'm gonna get 100%. out of it as soon as possible. And 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 at 100%. what point,
1: how how'd you get out of that trade? When so if I'm trading with the eight and the twenty-one EMA, I have a couple of these other ideas I'm working on with some anchored VWAP stuff and some news ideas. But if I'm trading with the eight and the twenty-one, if they cross against me, if I'm long and the eight crosses under the 21 and we get a candle close on that on like a 15 minute and I entered on the 15 minute, that's telling me this thing is not working. Time to go. And if I'm wrong in that idea that it's time, not time to go, I'm probably able to get back into that at now a lower price because I'm in drawdown. I can get a better price. And normally, I will take two trades on an asset per day. If I lose both, I'm done. I will never let something hit me three times. If I miss money, fine. I'll knock myself for that and do better next time. But I'm going for things twice because often I will find, especially on some news days where we get that like 8.30 AM USD news, like a PPI, CPI, whatever, I'll find an entry pre-market. It'll chop into the news. The news will do its little thing. And then it'll end up moving from that same price, but after the news. So I'll be willing to get back into that second trade because I'm going to be in the first one. If, it, if I'm at the desk and it presents, my job is to be in it. It's not to guess, oh, is this the one that's going to be a winner? I think a lot of traders kind of get hung up trying to think about outcomes too much. You have no, You can't control the outcome. You have to trade a system that has told you the data saying this outcome statistically is this over time. And then you're just plugging into that. I think people, you know, when I got into trading, I thought that these great traders were feeling their way around the market. You know what I'm saying, Cam? Yeah. And yeah, like, it's yeah, not that yeah, way yeah, at all. Yeah, yeah, the best traders yeah. are plugging into systems with data and they're just applying discretion and feel yeah. to yep. hopefully improve their win rate and know when to size up and know when to cut, right? And always trying to be sharper there, but they're plugging into systems with data. Most of the time, there's very few traders that are feeling their way around their market and making money year after year, in my opinion. Yeah. And and so like, yeah. so on that 30 minute
0: example, would you, would you yeah. like move your stop to break even or you take profit to break even, for example, or would you like just say, ah, oh, it's crossed over. I'm going to get out at a loss. It's not going to be the full loss, but it's going to be a small loss. And I'm happy to take that. What's the, what would be your variation on that one? I like your questions because
1: you're, you're getting into the good details on it <laughs> yeah. from like the way I handle it if it crosses against me, if those EMAs are changing trend against me, I'm taking half my position off at minimum. Sometimes if it's a strong break and it's getting close to my stop loss, I'll just wash the whole thing. Instead of losing one R, I'll take a 0.8 R loss and that'll help over time, right? So I'll try to get out and try to mitigate the risk. But my trading specifically, and again, this comes from just tracking in detail all of my trades with every piece of it, whatever, and we can talk about that if you want what that means. But like from tracking it, I know that I get into trades normally in the right direction, but sometimes because of the pullback, back. It's still sitting at that structural level, just not ready to leave the zone. So I don't want to get full out of the position in case it starts to leave. Then I'm looking to actually add the position that I closed back in, trying to get back to my full risk on the trade. So sometimes if it doesn't break the zone, but maybe it's just crossing EMAs and kind of going sideways because EMAs, they are lagging in that sense where they will play around a little bit. There. I'm going to look at price structure, and I'm going to trust lower highs and lower lows, or higher highs and higher lows, and try to trade with that. And if that's then also broken, then I'm done. This is not working. Mm. Like that's easy to see. You know what yeah. I mean? It's yeah.
0: funny. I think and I think a lot of the traders that do do well, like yourself, are ones that are happy to go. Well, there's going to be another trade. I'm happy to get out of this trade. I'm not going to hold on to it. I want a better DRI's. price. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're going to get out of it, and you're just happy to, that that it doesn't but, need to always be the the 10R trade.
1: I've made so many mistakes when I first started trading, bro. Like I lost so much money. I lost over 40 grand in the first two years. And you know what like majority of that was from just moving my stop loss, just not being willing to just take a loss. And it took so much to finally, I think it took tons of pain to finally say, We're just going to take the loss as well i don't know what it was i think it's a combination of taking so much pain and of course studying other successful traders and hearing them say you've got to be a great loser you've got to be a great loser i think also my background in sports helps me a little bit and understanding that you're not going to win every game no one's perfect all season every year you know so i think all of that you know builds up but that's that was the hardest thing for me bro i was like just take the loss so now I try because I have too much experience to not flip it. Now I try to take losses so quickly, so well that I don't even remember them by the end of the week. Because I'm going to find another couple of winning trades by the end of the week, and it's not even going to matter. Like that little loss today, a red day, even a red week to me doesn't matter. Again, I have a high win rate, so a red month still wouldn't bother me because I know there's still wins in there, and that should compound over time in my favor. Because I'm still trading with statistics. It's as long as I stay with the data, I'm going to be good. When I go off of feel now we get into the crazy gambling stuff yeah, bro now we're yeah. talking to now we're talking to that that guy i met mentioned earlier the sports gambling <laughs> yeah. austin the the the, the blackjack je- that's when we're over there so the the trading business the funded accounts my personal money like all of that it's always based on statistics for sure and and so you mentioned
0: tracking what you do yeah. what do you do around you know trading journals and all that sort of stuff
1: yeah. So I think that it's, everybody has a personal preference. I used to sell a physical journal um, that was really useful. A lot of people liked that. Now with our mentorship program, we have a really advanced spreadsheet that we give to everybody that's automated and it tracks your pre-trading routine, your watch list, your news for the day, the trades you take, your habits, your trading errors on the charts and off the charts habits that you preset for yourself every day. And it prompts you with a daily review at the end of the day. So it's very extensive. What could you do to make more or lose less? That's one of the best questions on there. Trade of the day. Um, if you did have a trading error, how much did the trading error cost you? This is a thing we just started doing this year. Okay. Yeah. You made a mistake. You missed a trade today. Cool. How much did it cost you? You could say you missed a trade and try to do better tomorrow. But I'm telling you, when you start to track that it costs you even a quarter of a percent each trade, and for me, one R, four of those trades is 1%. Watch that add up over a quarter. You leave four or 5% on the table. That'll sting. When you see yeah. that you know and you're like okay now that the, i'm doing all this effort to track i'm not gonna do this again i'm gonna try to be involved in these trades even if it's something and it's helped a lot so the the tracking is this extensive spreadsheet that's again it takes me probably like i haven't even finished mine for today yet it probably takes me on top of my trading another 30 to 45 minutes a day but it is worth it and for me a guy that like i know myself if if my win rate drops too low i start to go off tilt. that's when i've always made my mistakes when I don't do my daily report cards, when I don't do this tracking of ideas every day, trades that I take, documenting entry, thoughts, exit, all of that, what could I have done better? I, If I do that, I don't go off tilt. The win rate stays pretty high. So I think, like, for me, I've seen the proof in it, and that's why I still do it. There are traders, like I think of Tom Canfield, like a legendary trader. He doesn't journal at all anymore. Well, okay. I mean, the guy made five hundred grand in like a in in a year. One year blew it, and then clawed it all back in the same year. Like that guy doesn't need to. Maybe okay. Like that's just on a different level that I'm at. I'm a normal human. I'm not Superman out here. So I'm journaling. I'm still trying to get better. And I think it goes back to like I mean, look at what I did. I've I've been about my data. I've I've not needed to plug in with some mentor and. I would give them credit if I had a mentor, but I don't have someone that plugged me in and gave me that data. I built it for myself. So for me, it's always going to be ground up. And I think that is why I need the daily report cards. It keeps me ground up every day. You know what I mean? I see everything. I mark my own ideas. I put my own thoughts to paper and then I can go back and review it. And I think that's the big value. So for anyone listening that isn't doing this and you're like, that just sounds like a bunch of extra work, Austin. Like I'm just going to keep trading, trade less, journal more, get better at trading and then just get bigger. And then you won't have to work that hard. Like I had four trades this whole month. I'm up about two and a half percent. And I had four trades this whole month that's it tired of missing trades or spending hours at
0: the charts introducing my robot builders club with our platform you can build bots in minutes not weeks without any coding required get lifetime access to my video course vip community and over 40 ready-made robots works with mt4 or mt5 and as a bonus you'll get three months access to my robot lab where we build and test bots on live calls every week join the hundreds of traders who are trading smarter not harder click the link in the description to learn more get the free training and download a free robot and we're at the
1: end of the month by the way. So it's May 31st. It's it's the start of my month, so.
0: (laughs) So, or maybe I
1: had five trades. They were all wins. I had, I'm I'm on a nice, I mean, I tend to run on win streaks because I'm very selective, but I have a lot of money to, more money to trade with than I've ever had before. So it makes it easy for me. You know what I mean? When I see how much money I'm making on four or five trades, I'm trading way less than most people. And I think like that's the paradox of trading that I didn't understand too when I got into this. So I would pass that on to new guys too. If you're new and you're thinking like trading professionally means you're at the desk all day, every day, you're wrong. That's not why you want to be here. You want to be here to be making as much money as possible, journaling, tracking, doing all that work that you need to do. But with as little time at the desk, we want like, you have a family, you have friends, you have other things that are way more important than than markets. You know what I mean? This is the tool to get outside, to get out there, to be with them.
0: You know, yeah. Yeah, look, I think it's, it's a very valid point in terms of working out what it is, how are you going to fit it into your life so that, right. you you know, it is not the only thing that you're sort of doing. And, and if it is, you're probably going to be buying accounts. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting uh, that you say that around. The, you've got four trades a because my other question was going to be. How on earth do you fit the time into journal? But I suppose you're only journaling four times a month. Is that correct?
1: No, man? I'm journaling every day. Journaling every every day. day. Okay. Oh, absolutely. How, how
0: absolutely. Do you, how do you fit the time in in a like? I mean, you have got a busy lifestyle like me in terms of you're running yeah. all these channels and stuff mm-hmm. and whatnot. Mm-hmm. How do mm-hmm. you do it? What do you what do you do? What's the trick? I'm asking for myself now mm-hmm. <laughs> because I sometimes never get to it. What's the, what trick? Is the trick?
1: Pract. I I so like I'm I'm just a big believer in. In markups, like chart markups of the strategy that you're trading. So when you have an entry signal that you can look for every day, there's something to mark up. Even if it's not on the asset that I trade, I'll go do it on Forex pairs. That I think keeps me sharp because my other problem is I tend to try to be too contrarian. Like it'll present a sell signal and I'll be like, but maybe there's a buy in here. So I need to also knowing myself, I need to keep myself on edge to be like, no, we take the signals as they present. This is how we practice it. It's me in the gym shooting free throws. That's really what I'm saying, Cam. So like to me, it's like I can't slack on that because then on the game day when there is a trade, I'm going to hesitate. I'm going to be off my game. So I'm there every day, but I look at it now. Like, and this is a good reference for everyone. We all have said, you want to trade like a sniper. That's what a lot of, if you want to be a day trader that doesn't trade a lot, you want to be selective, right? Well, I went from having like a BB gun to having like a Barrett 50 cal. So with the Barrett 50 cal, I don't need to shoot all the time because I know I can blow up basically anything. So with more firepower, I think FOMO isn't as much of an issue, so I don't feel like I need to trade every day. So I like the process. Oh, and if a trade happens to present when I'm at the desk and I have time to manage it and be a part of the market that day, great. I'm involved. My job is to take them as they present. But I trade SPX. And if you look at SPX the last month, I don't know if you traded or not, but it's been sideways. So what am I supposed to do? I I told you already, I don't trade ranges. I, and if you look, my trades this month have been actually like evening trades overnight. And some of them now I've gotten back more into Bitcoin because SPX has gone sideways. So I've had to adapt. But how do you know that SPX is sideways? Because I'm active every day, journaling, looking at ideas, trying to find trades. Hey, why am I not finding markups on SPX? Let's zoom out. Look at the daily time frame, Look at how we're trading in this tight range. Okay, if we want to be active and making money and getting payouts, where are we going to go? Got to find something else. And that's what then brought Bitcoin back to the table because I used to trade a lot of Bitcoin. So. For me, it's like you got to get into the gym, you got to get the reps in, you gotta get the daily report card in. But that at that point, like I said, if I'm not finding any trades and I'm off because I got meetings and coaching calls and gym and all this other stuff, that maybe I'm I'm an hour a day, hour and a half. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not yeah. even that much time, you know? Yeah. So it's almost it's yeah. almost
0: like you're sort of forward testing your your strategy. Oh, hundred percent. To a certain degree. Oh, yeah, so you've, yeah. you've done the back testing, you got the data now, you're forward testing it and validating that well, it changes, and, you know, when it the changes. trades aren't there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It, it,
1: it it has changed. So the A2 has these different variations because it uses that indicator that I mentioned, the L50 of the on the TDI, that moving average. It uses that and where that is, whatever value that is, it determines what A2 we're looking at because we know that that L50 determines trends. So we wanted to see if that impacted the potential of some A2s working better than others. So we ran this back test originally in 2022. Well, if you know what happened in 2022, SBX, Bitcoin, bearish market, big trend to the downside. So naturally, the in-trend, full-trending signals on the A2 backtest performed really well. So we were telling everybody, trade in trend, trade in trend, trade full trend. Well, now, what has happened, like I said, so far, even if you yeah. look at just this whole year, not, not even this month, it's much more sideways. And I mean, m- we're starting to break out now, but even just erase the last month, go back January, February, March, very much sideways, not a strong uptrend or downtrend for the indices that then changes the testing. especially if you look at like the end of 2022 into 2023, that then shifted. And we saw the full trending a two signals actually lower in a win rate now where the counter trend signals have a better strike rate and a better, uh, overall percentage gain. So it's interesting to see how the signals have changed, and I think we saw that in our forward testing. And then we paid this guy to build this coding thing that we can use to run a back test through TradingView, and then we could go and back test it and confirm. Hey, why are we seeing F signals? That's the label of the signal. Why are we seeing these F signals work? Everybody was asking me. I see the F work more than the A, and you said the in trend one works. Well, now we can actually make sense of that because we're seeing it in the forward testing, and the back testing confirms it that something is changing over the last few months. And and how did you land on SPX as your sort of pair of choice when you've got oh, all those markets? Good question. Because I hate Forex because it was just giving me a hard time, bro. Last time I traded a Forex pair was November, I think it was 7th or 8th, something like that. I have it in my tracker. haven't oh. traded a Forex pair since. I like the volatility of Bitcoin at the time and SPX. So it's really been those two assets. A little bit of NASDAQ and US 30, but really just Bitcoin and SPX. At the time, when I started doing this, 2022, I was in a 200K challenge, I was working on that. I wanted to be a part of an asset that had volatility. So with both of those risk on assets, SPX and Bitcoin, both moving correlated to the downside together, I was just basically looking for shorts on either one of them every day, and I was just catching big rips. So it made it really easy to pass the funding challenge. I passed phase one of the funding challenge. I had to make 8%. I think I made 13% because I caught a Bitcoin trade that overnight yeah, yeah. went 6%. It was one yeah. of those 6% Bitcoin days. So it just ripped, right? So the Bitcoin and SPX inspiration was, I think, the funding companies. Because before the funding companies, I was trading my own money at Owanda. Can't trade either of those assets at Owanda. So the funding companies making it an option yeah. to trade yeah. made me be like, "All right, let's go check this out." You know what I'm saying? And then I just loved it. And now when I talk to people about like getting funded if, about passing challenges, I'm like, "Trade assets that move a lot." Yeah. Don't like Euro Euro GBP to me is like. Just shoot yourself in the foot. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's basically what you're doing. And you, oh, you don't like Bitcoin? Oh, you don't like SPX? Learn. Don't be like me. I was ignorant. I was like, I don't ever think I'll need to trade an indice. I remember saying that, Cam. And now here we are. So yeah. it's like I was ignorant for a long time, thinking I just needed forex. No, be open minded. And you know, Tom Basso, he ran a three hundred million dollar hedge fund called TrendStat. He's one of the guys I mentioned. He has a new book out called The All Weather Trader, and he talks about that. He's like, too long. I made the mistake of thinking I'm just going to be a metals trader this year, and I'm going to trade the trend in metals, mm-hmm. or I'm going to just trade this trend in soybeans or whatever. Because he's a big commodity and, and 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 forex guy too. And he's like, but then once I realized that you could do all of these different things at once, it made me a much more well rounded investor. So it's like being able to say hey 2022 SPX and Bitcoin they were hot let's get on it let's trade it to the downside blah 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 now things are going sideways where do we find trend you know where can we find that opportunity now as things are changing so i think that's a a big thing you know so SPX yeah. is the thing of the thing for now you could talk to me in a year from now cam it might be different i might be back on gbp nzd that used to be yeah. my girlfriend people used to say oh, all the time really? that's my girlfriend i used to trade that pair all the time bro it used to be amazing i used to love trading breakouts the a1 signal that we have breakouts on gn would rip bro, rip. Yeah, yeah, When it was moving 200 pips a day, 300 pips a day, you know?
0: Yeah. That, that, well, it does move, doesn't it? I mean, I hope it, it doesn't does. move too much because <clears throat> I'm, you know, I've got, uh, I often have a trip to the UK now and again, so <laughs> I
1: don't, <laughs> don't want it to be too bad <laughs> for
0: me. Um, you're right. Uh, right. So, so yeah. Okay. So what about timeframes for entry and like marking up, uh, well, doing your analysis? Yeah.
1: Um, 15 minute is where I just find best to start for a day trader. Like it's working well for me. It's what most people find success with. We were just doing a podcast for our show today. I was filming with my guys, my coaches, and we do like a home team episode where we all just sit down as the boys and we're, cause we are the guys coaching all these people. So we don't, you know, share these stories anywhere else, except on this podcast. And we were talking, I was like, does anybody even look at the one hour and the four hour anymore? Because all of us have kind of been looking just at the daily. Where are we in relation to the eight and the 21 EMA on the daily? How many certain up days or down days are we in a row? Because we've been doing some statistical backtesting on consecutive days in a row and what assets are more likely to go consecutive days in a row and which ones are not. And if you could guess the indices in Bitcoin run more consecutive days in a row yeah. than Forex pairs, right? So yeah. knowing that on the daily, then just dropping to the 15-minute for analysis for short-term trend. And then most of us are taking entry, like myself specifically, 15-minute, more than five-minute, but I will play the five-minute. There are some guys who have been doing, like I have a guy that just passed a funding challenge in our mentorship group. His name is Dom. He trades the two-minute and the three-minute chart with the A2 entry because we back-tested it there and it was proven to be profitable. So he likes that lower time frame stuff but it also really works for him because he's trading SPX. He's not trading a Forex pair with a big spread. He's getting like zero spread basically on SPX. And that zero spread allows him to trade the lower time frame. I think a lot of like, I wish somebody would have explained this to me when I got into trading too. So I share this with people like as a new trader, you don't understand how spread is so important. You cannot trade a lower time frame asset with a big spread because yeah. you're just going to get stopped out instantly. Like you just got to understand that. So when you can get zero spread, it opens up the opportunity to go to a lower time frame. So that's what he's finding success with. But I would say, most people that I'm working with are 15 minute, five minute, and then daily for analysis. But you know what? The one hour and the four hour, bro, noise, 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 noise. Show me some levels. Show me this. Show. Me. Cool. Like, I get it. Like, there's levels from in the past, but what's going on right now? And I'm just finding way less noise. Go to the daily, get my trend, get my bias. Are we ranging? Or are we moving? Okay, we're moving. What's the bias? Now let's look at the lower time frame for entry. And that's really it. Like, it's very, very simple because like I said, my, my trades are trending trades and when you look at an asset like Bitcoin or SPX, especially SPX and Nasdaq, they like to trend higher. That is to typically what indices do. So that's where I'm finding success. Yeah,
0: I mean, a, a little sort of hint for anyone: if you if you get MT4, MT5, or whatever, yeah. if you go on that those platforms, chuck on the ask price as well as the bid because we'll only show you the bid by default. Then, right. if you're on the lower time frames and that that range of those that spread range is almost half the size of the candle that you're trying to trade on a lower time frame, then you probably don't want to trade it. Right. So I'm you're smoked, it, bro. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're entering, yeah. entering the trade and you're hoping the thing's going to go at least half the size of the last candle, which ain't going to happen probably most no. of the time. Um, and bro,
1: think about how much money the brokers make off guys that are doing that. They just don't understand. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah it's, yeah. it's probably wild when you look at how much money they make off of people making stupid make mistakes like that, decisions like that. It's probably wild.
0: The, the other thing I noticed is sometimes like with some funding challenges and uh, even just some brokers, they don't charge commission on the indices. So no. if you are on the indices, you might get away with not paying commission. And, and the spread is
1: super small. And so it's it's, kinda, it's, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So it's, it's also a win-win. Um, it's, and I think that's like, again, like that's what's changed in my trading. Like Dropping the forex pairs, getting to this asset that is volatile and easy to trade and liquid. And also I like economics. We could sit here for another hour and talk about the war and politics. Like I like all of that. So like what is being impacted the most? indices so like then i'm like okay now i fundamentally i like this now that has hurt me not to go off on a tangent but just for a second like fundamentally i've been long biased spx or let me say recently it was i was short biased and i missed two days of clean trend on the to the upside and i didn't take any entries that's where my fundamental bias will screw me up a little bit and keep me from good technical setups but that's my job as a day trader to learn how to balance that that was a great learning lesson and i'm trying to not let that happen As we go forward you know but i think that's part of the other reason for me like when you ask why the indices why is because of that i I like the i like the cocktail talk ask my wife i'll sit here and we could talk about what's going to happen here what's going to happen there how could we make money should we short it here because of that like i love that stuff
0: now, now what I want to do um, with the time we have left is to dive yeah. back into uh, your journey and and getting to that point where you sort of broke the barrier. Do you remember yeah. like, was there a certain time where you sort of moved from a demo to, I'm guessing it was just your own account uh, mm-hmm. at that point because prop mm-hmm. firms weren't really around. Uh, how did that transition happen? Can you remember it? Was it a sort of amazing time or just
1: blah, <laughs> just happened? Bro, terrible. The, so I, uh, like this, the whole timeline looks like this. Start with the binary options, put money into binary options, make some, lose it all, gone. Maybe I placed a couple demo trades when I didn't know what I was doing. And then I instantly threw money into a brokerage account. We don't need to say their name. And it was one to 1,000 leverage. They even offered one to 3,000 leverage. So I'm putting hundred dollars in gone, $75 in gone, bro. Like probably 20, 30 times. So I started like that. That was not working. Then I went to Owanda and I put like five or 10 grand in. Half of that was gone really quick too. Because I had no idea of what I was still like trading wise. I had no idea what I was doing. Getting chewed up by not only spread on the US regulated broker, spreads are bigger and commission. So you're getting just chewed up. You know what I'm saying? So that took a while to really understand how to work the U.S. brokerage. And that's what really kind of pushed me away from them at some point too, to still with my own capital, but just to get away from the tight restrictions and be willing to take the risk of trading with an offshore broker that could not pay me out, take my money, whatever it is, you know, and that's where you- you should not take all of your savings and just dump it into a trading account, right? Like, so I think that was like the big turning point too, was kind of getting away from Wanda for, for as bad as that kind of sounds for the US guys. It's just, I didn't trade well with it on the shorter timeframe. It just wasn't conducive for me. And also I probably could say I sucked at trading at that point still. And then the other turning point, if we fast forward a little bit more, just to catch it up to today, it would be when I started to trade without my own personal capital. And I started to use the funding companies because I was exposed to the prop firm style of like trading and trading with someone else's yeah. money. When I worked for this company in New York city, there's still a prop firm, uh, T3. I worked there for like a year and a half as a, right. on, on the education side and stuff like that. Yeah. And I had exposure to trading with them and what it was like, bro, the first thing I can think of when I think back to that big spreads, like at that time, their spreads were huge. And I was like oh, this again, I'm, I'm struggling. So I had the idea though, that prop could be awesome. And I was still resistant to the prop firm stuff up until like two and a half, three years ago. And this guy I trade with, he's been a part of my business since we basically started. He's, he's a student of mine, become coach. His name is James. I finally saw him make 26 dollars $27,000 in a payout one month. And this is like two and a half years ago. So he had been getting paid out already to, up to that point. Yeah. And I was finally like, dude, I got to check this out. They got more assets. Also, the turning point for that was They would pay me out in crypto, and I wanted more Bitcoin at that point. So I was like, oh, let me go trade with these funding companies and get the payout in crypto and keep the crypto, right? And I did that. And I remember getting into Bitcoin on those payouts initially at like 4K, and I took all the Bitcoin out at 12K. And I was like, great. And I missed the whole run up to 70K. But I thought I 3X my money on my payouts. I was like, this is great. You know what I'm saying? I made a payout to turn it to three. But it was like nothing compared to what it would have been if I would have just left it alone. So those were I think would be like the turning points was like getting away from the just trying to find the right brokerage with the right assets, man, you know, for like what I wanted to do. I think like a lot of guys don't know what they want to do. And if you're that type of a trader listening to this, try different things. Just like me. Like I didn't know I wanted to be a day trader. I was at a career fair and that's how I stumbled into Northwestern Mutual and then stumbled into day trading and all that, you know? So it's like you gotta try things. And if you're not trying new things and you just keep throwing money into the market thinking you're gonna figure it out, you're gonna go And then you're going to think trading is a scam. The market is rigged and it never works. And the people like me and Cam who say you can make money trading, we're all liars and and frauds. That's what you'll think. That'll be your belief system. But if you take in new information, if you challenge yourself to try new things, test this out, like you're dating, date mentors. That's what I always tell people. Go date different mentors. Check me out. Check the other guys out. All of them see who you can plug in with the most. That will, I think, help shortcut the learning curve and also keep the losses smaller. You don't have to lose 40 grand like I did, you know?
0: You really don't. I I mean, I think there are so many mental hurdles that people have to overcome uh, to get to the point where they could actually make it work here. I mean, one of the ones you're just touching on there is like, you know, if it doesn't work, change it and i think people just get down they can't get they're like well how do i know it doesn't work they can't validate it and they never they never change and i think the validation is the backtesting right the other one and you mentioned it earlier is you know you move to spx bitcoin it's trending it's 100%. easy to make money do you think there's an issue around people finding it too easy and almost thinking that it needs to be harder than it is ie if you're in a trend and you enter a short with like oh man, a mediocre stop loss. You're probably going to make money, but it seems too easy.
1: What's your view on that? I, I totally agree with you. I think good trading is simple because we as humans, I think for the most part, like as the day trader, like we're not some quant computing programming, guy, just regular as dude, just trying to make money. Simple is easy. Simple is repeatable. And that's what you need. You need a process that's repeatable. One of my, I would say, other mentors would be Scott Redler. He works at T3 oh, still. Yeah. I saw yeah, him speak. live. Yeah, Scott's great, bro. Scott taught a lot about EMAs to me. Like, But one thing Scott always said that stuck with me was like, you have to love your routine. If you hate the routine, you will not be consistent with it. And I think the same thing, just stem that into your trading. If you don't like the strategy, if you don't believe in this, you're not going to be able to trade it well. So I think you've got to plug in with something that you really, really love. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, look, it, it is so true. The routine thing is something that I've been trying to hammer home in these shows recently. Where you've got to, it's, half of it is finding that routine, isn't it? If you if you can't find the routine, you you sort of, or if the routine doesn't sit with you well, well, you've got to change it, kind of thing. Which means you've got to you change to change everything else. Hundred um, percent on that mindset uh, avenue. What what other sort of mindset things have you implemented yourself that you found work well?
1: That others might help uh, find helpful. Sure, I think the best piece of advice that I'm giving to people right now that I see like helping them is stop trying to be another trader. Learn from all of us that put out content, but stop trying to be us. Take in the information and try to put it through a a, a strainer of your own belief system. But first, to do that, you have to get really clear on your own belief system, which I think is where like trading psychology books, even just general human psychology books of like, how do you think the way you think? Why do you think the way you think? What are your cognitive biases? Those kind of things. Learning about that helps to understand yourself. When we do our mentorship program, I have everybody take this personality test before they come in. And then I tell them about their scores because they get scored in these five categories. I tell them how those scores are going to hurt them, right? So I think like your personality or or help them in some cases as well. But like that underlying belief system, that underlying characteristics and who you are, you've got to have an understanding of that if you're going to make trading work. And then the only other really piece of advice that is important, if you listen to that and like really try to carve out your own lane and don't be anybody else, find what works for you. It's just really support yourself with people who are making more money than you. They will pull you forward. If you surround yourself like with your friends who are also kind of broke and working another job and blah, blah, blah. And they're all just trying to learn how to trade. You're the smartest guy in the room that's never the place you want to be. I literally, I joke with the people all the time. They pay to be in my mentorship group, but I still feel like sometimes they're smarter than me and I'm the dumbest guy in the room. That's the type of environment that teaches you to thrive and also keeps you growing. So I think you want to still be the dumbest guy, the dumbest trader in the room of the people that you speak to. And you want to be a sponge too many traders, bro. And I'm sure you're going to agree with me on this because you've talked to some of the guys that I would think are like this. They're not coachable. They're just not coachable. If you are not coachable, I don't even think you should try to become a trader because you are going to be wrong. The market's going to tell you you're wrong. You're going to lose money. Your coach is going to tell you sometimes that this is a bad decision, even if you made money on it. And if you can't take that type of criticism from the market and from someone else, you're beat. You're just never going to be your best trader and you're never going to even really probably make consistent money, not even be to your best. You're not going to get consistent at all. So I think it's like, yeah, I think that's a big one.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I agree. I mean, I, I- I had a, a coffee with a guy just the other day, and I mean, he might even be listening to this because I think he is now listening to the show. And I, I gave him some advice. I said, "Like, here's here's what I'd do if I was in your situation." He's looking to get into into forex trading for the first time ever. Quite, you know, an older guy. I think he's yeah. older than me. And I gave him this advice, and I said, "Just here's what your challenges. Don't not follow this advice. So you've got to follow it, right?" Sends me an email a week later. Hey, how's it going? Um, I'm kind of tempted into this uh, this crypto trading, and then somebody else has got a course on this, and I'm thinking I could just dip my time. The- I'm like, mate, I said just do what I said, and he'd done half of what I said, and he'd stop doing it. I'm like, this is it. You just got to do what I said, right? That's it. If you can't do that, you're already off. You're already off the road. That's rails. the same
1: thing, bro. Where they the do people the overcomplicate it, yeah, they, and they think they have to reinvent it. Everybody wants to sprinkle their own ego onto it. And that's like what I'm saying, be coachable, plug in. If the system is working, plug in. It's going to be hard enough to manage your own psychology when you start trading and winning and making money. And then we have to figure out how to maximize your wins and minimize your losses and blah, 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 all of that. God, don't make it harder on yourself by trying to reinvent the wheel. I got guys that'll join the coaching program. They pay me the four grand they're in for 12 weeks. We're working together. The strategy, I just told it to you. I broke it down on this whole episode. I go one R one R one R the dude is going for 1.5 R. I'm like Jesus Christ. Like, what are we doing? Like, why? (laughs) Well, I, I, I don't think I'm going to be. Why do you think that? Like, why do you think you're better or different than the data? Stop. We're all the same. We're all about average. You have to accept your mediocrity. I think as a trader, and just be humble. Like, too many guys, their ego it makes them so aggressive about their trading, and then they only talk about the highs. They never talk about the lows, and that's the guys you know are bullshitting, bro. Sorry if I can't curse. The guys are BSing. You know what I'm saying? Like th- that's yeah. that trading is not about that. It's actually about managing expectations at the highs. So the lows aren't too bad. And only someone that's gone through a lot of that knows that that is what trading is in its core, you know, mm-hmm. maintaining some type of mental fortitude through all of the, those waves. It's not about two Rolexes and blah, 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 fast cars. That's not about that is a byproduct for some people that have those hobbies and enjoy those things, but it is not the way you should portray and, and give off what trading is. Trading is hard enough plug into a system. That's, that's really the thing plug into something that's working. Cause like, I said, it's going to be hard enough to manage your own mental.
0: And, and just like last question before we jump into a a few quick fire questions. Um, what, uh, what sort of
1: mental aspects do you still struggle with if any, or have you, do you feel like you've managed to struggle with a lot? I trade too small. Now that I have more money to trade with, I'm risking too small of a percentage of the account some days just to be in smaller and be conservative, like a little girl. I'm not trading as a trader. I'm trading based on money and it's still a couple thousand bucks. I'm like, great like, no, let it, like drop the money, bro. Trade to trade, like a business math. Like, so I think that's my, my big one this year has been that, which I'm getting, if you look at my tracker, I we just talked about that today in the call too. Like my size is getting bigger to where it should be. I'm at where I should be right now, but I wasn't to start the year. So that was the big work on there. And then also like when I'm in a trade, I tend to check out and then I miss other trades. I've got to be able to not do that. If I'm piecing out of a trade, it's got to just be this over here. And I got to go, okay, clean slate. What else is going on? There's money to be made out here. I can deploy. More money. I don't have to just be in this thing. So I think those are the two areas for myself that I'm working on. Okay. Uh, we'll jump into some quick fire questions here. Uh, sure. Right. The first one is How long did it
0: take you to go from newbie to consistently profitable? I would say four years.
1: Uh, what's your favorite entry setup? Because, sorry, that would be like on the four years, just to clarify the answer. That would be after like my six months. I remember celebrating six months of consistent profits at that point. So that would be like where I I started to really find consistency. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What about your favorite entry setup? I still like the in-trend continuation play. Break and retest of a key structural zone, like a break and retest of an Asian range high. Give me an entry on an Asian range high with clean trend, bro. See ya later. I'm taking that thing to ADR. Righty ho. Um, what about uh, your recommended trading book or resource? Feels just one
0: book that somebody picked up. One good trade by Mike Bellafiore. Right. I think it's been mentioned before. What about your preferred broker, trading platform, and prop firm? Look, folks, I know you want the answer to this question. Which broker is this trader using? Now, the answer has been sponsored by Black Bull Markets. So to find the answer out, you're going to need to go over to TradingNut.com, find the show notes page for this guest, and then all will be revealed. Now, do you want to um, walk us through your worst ever trade?
1: Yeah, I could do that. I remember it was like, I think it was like close to $11,000. It was last year, I think it was like 10,800, something like that. It was just a trade where, like I told you, bro, I moved to stop loss. That was the, I mean, worst ever is a hard answer because I'm sure there was like by the setup or by my actions that are worse, but like financially, one of the bigger losses was that 11, call it $11,000 loss in a single day. I had a stop loss at low of day. I bumped it like another 20 points below low of day, and it just smoked me 20 points lower. And I could have been out at low a day, and it went another 30 points lower. It was just a big sell-off, and it it was on Bitcoin, and it smoked me. So, I And that was, I think, one of the – I've done it since then, for sure, but not to the – like moving the stop loss, but I catch myself more than ever, and it normally does not happen. But I can't sit here and be like, I'm perfect. No, definitely not. It's, it's always the way, isn't it? It's the one that you move it that it just yeah, completely smokes through it and, and it smoked it, me yeah, and yeah. on the account at that point I do I at that point I was not funded so that was my own money that's why I put Good it in that bucket because with the funded accounts I have a 500k funded account so I'm I'm trading more than $11,000 swings on a day now but it's not my money it's so like yeah. the 11k out of my own account was a big gut punch. yeah yeah yeah
0: um now we, we I know we're right out of time but if we could leave if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice what would it be
1: be humble have realistic expectations, study other successful traders who have proven track records and have helped people before, and be willing to take in new information always. Be open-minded. When you are closed-minded, fixed mindset, you die. Open-minded keeps you making money in new ways, keeps you open to new information, new strategies, new assets, new everything. You have to stay open-minded
0: that's great advice and please take heed of that um now before we wrap up what's the best way for
1: traders to get hold of you Instagram Twitter my website Austin Silver FX everywhere and then asfx.biz is our website so Well look,
0: brilliant. A big thank you to Austin for sharing with us today. Everything we discussed here along with all those links are in the show notes to find them. Simply search for Austin in the search box on tradingnut.com. Until next time, we wish all my listeners trading happiness and success. All right, so there you have it folks, Austin, silver, done and dusted. Go and hit repeat on that because there is so much value in this show. Other things, do remember I'm going to feature on Austin's show soon, so go over there, hit subscribe so you don't miss that. And uh, we've got that Trendline Masterclass video dropping on the channel with Richard Nasser this week. Please, this is so good eight steps two types of trend lines and it's all done in 30 minutes and you get a full system at the end of it uh, the other thing is we've got those live streams on the channel so if you're not subscribed to the YouTube please hit subscribe on the YouTube to catch those live streams where the guys are taking on the blue Guardian challenge and if you're looking to automate anything we've got the automated uh, stuff over there at robot builders Club we've also got the robot lab live we're putting out that Ethan Garland strategy we've pretty much done it we're putting it into testing this coming week Folks, if you do want to get involved in this stuff, it's all under the video or in the podcast description. Go and check it out. All right, we'll see you in the next one.